West Film Nerds Podcast. I'm Alex. I'm Willie. I'm Nick. And uh, today we're going to talk about what we've been watching. We're going to go into some film news, and then we're going to review Michael Bay's Pain and Gain, and then possibly some uh, some food for thought after that. Um, just off the top here, we switched the Twitter account name. It is now at MFN Podcast, which is easier than at Midwest Podnet. <laughs> um, that is it also is. where you'll find our Instagram and our Vine, so check those out. Um, other than that, feedback at MidwestFilmNerds.com for any sort of feedback that you have, and then, uh, give us a rating in iTunes. We have, like, four ratings, and they're all five stars, guys. Yeah. One of them is me. <laughs> I think one of them is me, too. <laughs> yes! Well, one of them isn't me, so there's at least two other people That's good. Well, one of them's Tim, Tim so... <laughs> and Alex's mom. Thank you. Yes, yes, thank you, Mom. Um... All right, so I suppose we'll just get right into what we've been watching. So, Willie, what have you been watching? Um, I actually watched two things today, because I hadn't watched anything previous to that, and I thought to myself, you know, we're Inclu- recording a podcast tonight, I should probably watch something for the, what we've been watching. You could just be Alex and not watch anything. I actually watched things this week, thank you very much. You would have seen them if you looked at our Vine and Twitter accounts. <laughs> Come on. Um, I don't like spoilers. I don't like spoilers. Let me go into the episode fresh. I, um... I watched a documentary on Netflix that was suggested to me because I watched The People vs. George Lucas a while back. Suggested to you by Netflix? Yes. Okay. Yeah, by Netflix. They're so good for that. Um, And it was a documentary called um, Clean Flicks, which is like a a video rental service that they were providing in Utah, which is a pretty heavy Mormon population. And what they would do was they would edit edit out violence, profanity, um, nudity, sex, all that stuff. All the morally questionable stuff. Anything that would give you something above a PG rating. Exactly, exactly. Wow. And they would rent these. That would be an interesting copies guy. of the movies to the customers, and there was a, mm-hmm. a huge following. And um, then they got sued by like Soderbergh and everybody else in Hollywood. And, yeah. And um, they they lost. So, but there's there's still some of that going on. I guess there's some that like still haven't been busted. So there's still video stores down south and stuff that interesting. Have it's interesting. Um, the the documentary itself is. I mean, it's 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 a lower budget documentary, so it's I don't know they they don't talk to as many people as they probably could have or had you know I don't know it's it's decent though so, it's worth a watch. So do they talk? They talk to the people that owned these stores, probably. They do. Do, um, they, do they talk to those that fought them? They Soderbergh. They talk to yeah. Okay. He's kind of the main um, proponent of going against it. So okay. it was interesting. I mean, it, it's worth a watch, honestly. If you have any interest in in um, the the business of videos video rental i guess and and censorship i mean that's the big thing is is yeah. is it do this does does this clientele's moral feelings towards sex and violence should it be able to affect i don't know it's interesting it's an interesting documentary um so check it out it's on netflix um and then i watched the lost boys um <laughs> joel schumacher's the lost boys um and it's uh it's just as awesome as I remember. Um, I I love this movie as a kid. Um, it's one of the most quotable movies I've ever seen, for sure. There's no question. There, there are things in this movie that I still say today, like in casual conversation, and I'm like, I don't even remember where I got it from until I watched the movie again. I'm like, oh, it's the Lost Boys. That's right. Um, it's got a great like '80s cast. I mean, Jamie Gertz, yeah. who is gorgeous um, still, but uh, particularly in Lost Boys. And everybody's got big hair. 
Um, there's a fantastic half-naked saxophone player. Um, <laughs> like three-quarter naked? Yeah, three-quarter naked. Not much left on him. Chains, mostly. Um, no, the whole thing's great. The soundtrack's fantastic. Um, I love the special effects. They still hold up pretty well. Um, Edward Herman from Gilmore Girls, rocking it, as always. Diane Weist, is it? We- Weist or Weist? I don't, I don't know how to pronounce her name. Uh, is it Weist? Weist, I think. Anyway, she's great. She's the mom, and she's, you know, she's fantastic. They're all great, and... Uh, you should watch it if you haven't, because it's like the best vampire movie ever. So It's been a very, very long time since I watched The Lost Boys. Well, I was probably in high school, maybe maybe middle school. And that was the first time that I had seen The Lost Boys. Okay. but That's a good time to see it, I think. I remember enjoying it. You know what? It must have been high school, because I was probably on a Kiefer Sutherland kick. Yeah, from um, 24. 24 yeah. yeah, that was the height of 24. That, so That was probably what, what occurred. But. No, and and it's 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 just a fun movie. Like it's it somehow manages to be both a horror movie and a comedy, and like a, has almost has a summer blockbustery type <clears throat> feel to it. Yeah. Um, and what's funny actually, I didn't realize this is it was the first. Um, I don't remember the the guy's name, but it was um, Martin Scorsese's um, cinematographer, and he did. I actually he did all the Godfather movies. Like he's like this really highly esteemed cinematographer. It was his first movie that he had done in like years. Was the Lost Boys, and it looks really good, so wow. it makes sense. Interesting. Um, just an interesting, interesting little tidbit. But mostly, it's it's awesome for the half naked saxophone player. Yeah, I, I don't I don't remember hating it when I was a kid at the time and didn't really care about movies as much, and mm-hmm. it still held up even though I watched it like twenty years later. So yeah, and it's so the thing is it. it a movie like this could totally come off as really dated. I mean, obviously the style, the hairstyles and the clothing and yeah. stuff, it is, and the music, but it, it's so, like, the storyline and everything itself is so firmly rooted in that time period that it doesn't matter. Like, it feels, it feels like a, like a period piece, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, it does, it really does. Like, it feels, because it was made in the 80s and they're all younger kids with all these crazy hairdos and stuff, it, like, feels totally legitimate, you know, I don't know. It's I, awesome. Yeah, it's I awesome. Think that's a good way to put it. It's awesome. All right, Nick, what have you been watching? I know what you've been watching. Yeah, you do. Spoiler. <laughs> uh, I've been watching Tron Uprising at long last. Uh, it's weird that it took the show getting canceled for me to be like, I'm going to watch that now. <laughs> but uh, I am thoroughly enjoying it. <clears throat> uh, I had seen a few episodes a while back. And I remember liking it and thinking it was a cool and it was a cool idea, but I wasn't too sure how it was going to fit into the chronology. And I was just kind of like, "Oh, it's a kids' show." But then it starts to get like really good. Yeah, a couple episodes in, you start to it just starts to get a lot heavier. Like I had texted you, and I was like, "Dude, this is getting heavy," <laughs> and it starts to get like pretty dark, and it it's really neat. And I like I as I'm watching it, I'm I just keep thinking this is totally the type of show that. I would have watched as a kid. Yeah. Because it just reminds me of, like, those 90s cartoons where you've always got some sort of moral fable going on, and every episode seems to have some sort of lesson Yeah, in the scope in the scale of everything bigger that's happening, too. And I think that that's kind of cool to see that there's still cartoons like that surviving. Well, it's, it's not anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's, it's really fun to watch, though. The animation is really cool. The fight, the action sequences are really sweet. Yeah. I'm really enjoying all the all the action sequences. At first, I wasn't nuts about any of them in the first few episodes, but it seemed like then once they started getting the hang of it, it just gets so much better. And like 
every episode now there's like one whoop ass fight scene that's like really cool to watch or like some sort of cool chase sequence or something it's it's awesome yeah it's, it's just it's too bad <laughs> you, you you have the same you had the same like reservations about it as i did when i was watching it and and just now i know my reservations were completely unfounded so it's it'll be interesting to see where you end up by the end of it i'll be interested to see what you what your thoughts on the finale are I'm really excited to see where it's going. I mean, I think it's cool that they kind of deviated from what was established in Legacy in terms of Tron in particular, like what happens to him, at least thus far. The actual instance that happens in Legacy is not what happened. Like, we, what we thought happened isn't really what happened. So, Or is it? Oh, mm. I don't like the face he's giving me. Mm. Um, Interesting thoughts, Nick. But anyway, uh, it's it's cool. I'm really enjoying it. I'm probably about... I'm on episode, like... 12 maybe 11 of 19 yeah 11 or 12 so i'm i'm a little over halfway there which is kind of a drag but it's um it's a lot of fun to watch it's very cool it, it just gets better that's it awesome seriously that's awesome gets better so. i just i i love that it's basically about tron <laughs> i'm yeah, so glad that he's basically front and center <laughs> yeah yeah <clears throat> that is like huge because i always laugh at how the franchise is called tron and he's barely in overall he's barely in he's it a side, he's a side character in his yeah. own yeah so it's uh it's it's really cool. And I really think that's all I've been watching. I don't think I've watched anything else really. Just more Futurama, I guess. <laughs> oh yeah, I guess this is worth noting. Uh I I've been watching Futurama, obviously I keep mentioning that every week, but I never really get into it. But I finally crossed the the gap between when the show's initial run and then it's when it was picked up again. It's there's a there's a marked difference in quality. Yeah. For sure. It's really interesting. Just the first four seasons, I think it was four, maybe five, that the initial run, and then when there's that gap where it was canceled and then brought back, it's just there's it's totally different. It feels so different. The writing's different. The voice actors all sound slightly different. It's very weird. Is there is there a total of nine seasons? It just got canceled again. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't really care. Like I'm just kind of. <laughs> I'm just kind of watching it now when I'm like falling asleep, and I just put it on to have something on in the background. I'm not yeah. really following it. I've seen the last time I watched a full episode was like a week ago, um, because it just it, it's not as good. It's too bad. Yeah, it's the same thing that happens to Family Guy. Whenever people talk about Family Guy and I say I don't like it, they're like, "What? You're stupid!" And I'm like, "No, it was really good for three seasons, and then they canceled it, and then like nine years later they brought it back, and it was irrelevant." Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know. It's too bad. Yeah. But anyway, it's it's just interesting how these things will be really really good, and they go out on top, and then they come back, and they suck. Which is why I'm super okay with never seeing Firefly again, or Dead Like Me, or all the other shows I love that got canceled, Rest like Pushing Daisies. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it could end up being this could end up being very relevant in a couple weeks. We'll yeah. see. That'll be that'll be the time to have the conversation. I think. Yeah. All right. Um, okay, so I, in preparation for Iron Man three, I watched the Avengers, and I did it in three D with my new newly purchased box set which our unboxing video should be up at some point in the future <laughs> but um but i watched it in 3d and i did it on my my tv at home and uh movie's still amazing um basically there were two things that i really wanted to say the 3d is very good for the fact that it's a post uh post filming conversion um the only times that it really kind of wasn't as good as when the scenes were really dark, uh, particularly like shots in space when when 
uh, Thanos's buddy is talking to him, and you see the rocks in the background. Like it was really hard for my eyes to see that. So, but I think that might be because I was watching it on a plasma, and plasmas are notably darker. If it was on like an LED or a really good projection, it might not have been a problem. And then um, the helicarrier action scene is so brilliant. And and not not only that, but there's twice in this movie where things just go to complete crap. There's like five different fights going on. But they all intersect and they all get traded off at like certain points and it works perfectly. Yeah, they that sequence really works as a it's a chess game. Like not, you not know? yeah, not even just that, but that and the whole third act. Like mm-hmm. both times Everybody's off doing completely different crazy things, but they're all kind of like strung together by a little connective tissue, and Mm -hmm. it's all coherent, unlike certain movies we're going to talk about today. But everything is coherent in this movie, and like, it shouldn't work that way, but it did. (laughs) Yeah, no, he was really... It should work that way. (laughs) It should, but... It it should be that way, but it should not work that way. Like, that's not... More often than not, it does not work that way. Yeah. Well, it's a lot like it's a lot like in Return of the Jedi, where you're bouncing back and forth between mm-hmm. like three different big battles. You've got yeah. Luke versus Vader, you've got Death Star Battle Two, and you've got the fight on Endor. And like when a movie can take three cool big action moments and just kind of continually check in between all of them back and forth, that's just and they they all felt equally important. They all felt mm-hmm. you know what I mean. Like you you were never bored flipping from battle A to battle B. Yeah. And it shouldn't be that hard. You should just write all your action sequences and then find the places where you can cut between them See, and but balance it. What's interesting is Lucas tried that same mm. format with Phantom Menace. He had three separate battles going on during the climax of that movie and only one of them I cared about. Yeah. So it, it's been done well and it's been done badly, but no, Avengers totally. They, Whedon makes a very conscious effort to make sure you as the audience know where everybody is what they're up to, how they're getting from point A to point B. You know what I'm saying? All, yeah, it, yeah. It's He lays out the map for you without beating you over the head with it. Absolutely. You know, nice. All right, and so that's that's all I have to say about Avengers for now. Um, I also rewatched Up in the Air, as I do every few months. <laughs> I still have um, yet to watch my Blu-ray of that. I think I bought it on Black Friday. It's a very, it's a very nice transfer, but... Um, this is it's probably my favorite Jason Reitman film uh even more so than than Thank You for Smoking. I haven't seen Young Adult yet. But I would assume that Up in the Air is probably my favorite Jason Reitman film and and will stand that way. There's just really beautiful shots and a lot of quick cuts in the beginning, particularly with like these these really methodical shots that have to do with like the methodical things that George Clooney is doing, like packing up his suitcase and going through the security checkout line and like my favorite shot in that whole film is when he's taking his shoes off because he takes his shoes off in this very strange way that most people wouldn't do he does it successful successively like he takes the one off and then moves that foot behind to take off the other shoe and the way that the camera moves with it i it's just i don't know why i love it so much but it's awesome does it just look like the most rehearsed process? Like he just like it's a but it does like it's a reflex. I mean, it it looks like a reflex for George Clooney, but it's not like it doesn't seem like they sat there doing this a million times. It just seems like this is a character who's done this a billion times. Yeah, and, mm-hmm. yeah, and uh, it's just 
I love that. Uh, I have here on my notes Bateman's double. I think that's enough said. And then my favorite exchange ever is in that movie. <laughs> I, I I shouldn't say it, it doesn't spoil anything, but within the context of the movie, just like there's just this one little exchange that's basically just like George Clooney bitch slapping Anna Kendrick with her own crap, and it's amazing. It's so good. Um, and then finally, I watched. Um, the pilot of a show called Marin, which is IFC kind of has this big initiative right now to give um, TV shows to podcasters, particularly comedy podcasters. Uh, There's a comedy podcast called Comedy Bang Bang, which is hilarious. And they have this really wacky show. And then um, there's a podcast called WTF with Mark Marin, where he's very serious and he talks to these uh, comedians and, discusses their inner demons and it's also it's one of the top top podcasts out there but his show is more of like a louis and i guess that's you know just to get over this quickly it's a it's a louis-esque kind of show and i think it needs a little more time to develop i think it'll get somewhere in the first season and hopefully he comes into being more of a regular actor which he's not mark Marin, the the main guy but i like the fact that ifc is going out there and being like here guys figure out what you want to do with your with this show and we will produce it and and put it on so check that out i think the pilot's online and then it starts on friday technically so um it's called marin m-a-r-o-n um i think that's it for what we've been watching so we can move right into our film news segment brought to you by michael bay's pain and gain not really (laughs) he didn't give us any money for that no he didn't um all right, so this week in film news, we have Army Hammer joining Tom Cruise and Guy Ritchie's The Man from Uncle. Did anybody here watch The Man from Uncle? Nope. Nope. Neither did I. <laughs> I think it was way before our time. Yeah. Yeah, but I think it's interesting that it's Guy Ritchie. Is it a, it's a secret agent type show, right? Yeah. Isn't that what it's about? Yeah, I, I think so. It's espionage. It was an espionage TV show. I remember originally it was being developed by Soderbergh with Clooney in the lead. Yeah. Which would have been... I would be more down for Clooney, but I'm more down for Guy Ritchie than I am for Soderbergh. Soderbergh is too... Uh, he's in too a, in inconsistent. A post, in a post-Haywire world. <laughs> <laughs> he's too inconsistent. He's either... He's way hit or miss. Guy Ritchie is... He's always hitting. It's just a question of how hard. He's inconsistent like your mic levels are right now. So just... Uh... Keep a little distance there. Whose fault is that? <laughs> um, Shitty Mike. <laughs> so, okay, do we care about Army Hammer or Tom Cruise joining it? Like, do we? I, I mean, like, I, I like Army Hammer. Depending on the tone of the movie, I mean, I have no direct, no idea which direction it's going to go. If it's no. going to be funny or if it's going to be really serious or really actiony. It's probably going to fit in Guy Ritchie's wheelhouse. Kind of, <clears throat> you know what I'm saying? Like the, I mean, they're they're comedies, but there's a lot of action. In yeah. It. Yeah, I could yeah. see it that way. I, could I mean, see... I'm I'm game. I'm always game to see Tom Cruise in something with a good director. Yeah, Army Hammer. Uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> he's one of those guys like Willie always talks about, who Hollywood is just desperately trying to make into a star. Yeah, they I'd are. be okay with Army Hammer being a star, but at this point, I don't think it's ever going to happen. There, yeah, no, he's one of those guys that Hollywood's trying to beat over the head of the audience. Well, we'll it's see. always it's always these guys who suck. Like we always talk about. I mean, we'll see, yeah. we'll see yeah. how the Lone Ranger goes because I think if that does well, then Army Hammer could be a bigger name. Uh, I don't foresee it going well. We'll see. It's hard to say. It could. It could. I we'll see. Who knows? Yeah. 
it'll be interesting to see how well that does. And that that's either going to really elevate his career or it's going to show, I think, show people that he's not the star that studios want him to be. Well, like, people aren't going to see the movie for him. If they go, it's going to be because... It's going to be for death, yeah. yeah. But it'll, it'll get him a ton more exposure. Probably. And if his performance is solid enough, then people will be interested. So, we'll see. The good news is he still doesn't have Taylor Kitsch's career. Yeah, T. Kitsch. He's another guy who Hollywood really, really wants to have, and I like Taylor Kitsch. I don't have anything against him, but they... I... I don't know if I'd say that Hollywood really wants him to happen. I think Peter Berg really wants him to happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, but. you know, he there. there's always the certain hot names that don't have any real reason to be hot names. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and, and he's kind of one of them. I mean, he, I mean, he was on Friday Night Lights, so obviously he had some, some stuff there, but he wasn't super exposed in, 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 in theaters or anything to audiences before this big run of movies he just no. did. And, and they all flopped. Yeah, I mean, that, whatever. But Army so Hammer, depressing. I mean, I, I liked him in Social Network. So yeah, yeah, you liked him twice in Social Network. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. All right. Um, next up, we have Zach Braff is kickstarting once again Kickstarter coming up on the show. Kickstarting a spiritual successor to um, Garden State called Wish I Was Here. Um, he asked for $2 million, and he didn't make it in as fast as Veronica Mars did, which was less than a day, but uh, he has made it. I think I think the Kickstarter went up sometime mid-last week and had been funded by the beginning of this week. So okay. he's got his $2 million. He's going to make the movie. Um, did you either, either you watch like the video that he posted on Kickstarter for it? No. It was pretty good. Yeah. It was pretty good. He had a few special guests, which, you know... Nobody super amazing, but of course Donald Faison makes an appearance because well, that's good. They're they're a couple. But when, when you need to when you need to sell something, you put Faison in it. It's good to go. <laughs> it's true. Chris Hardwick is also in the video. Oh, as nice. Is, uh, as is uh, Jim Parsons because Jim Parsons was in Garden State, I believe. Okay. Before I, it's been a long time since I've seen since I've seen Garden State. Yeah. I saw it during all the Garden State fever everybody had during that week or two. Um. It's true, though. I mean, people are going nuts over oh, yeah. that movie. I enjoyed it very much at the time, but I don't know how yeah, it would hold I, up. I, I thought it was okay when I saw it, but what's funny is that it's actually kind of weirdly similar to a movie called Elizabethtown with Orlando Bloom and Kirsten Dunst, yeah. plot-wise and everything. I would kind of... I mean, plot-wise, yeah, but I think they're very tonally different movies. I know, but it follows a similar path. Sure. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Story-wise, it's it's a very similar movie, Um, and I liked Elizabethtown a lot better. So, I loved them both. Did you? I loved them both. I just, I, I think maybe it's because I saw Elizabeth Town first and I was like... Yeah. You know what I mean? That, that can happen. Plus, yeah. I really, really like the uh, the the cast of that movie. Like, they're all amazing. Does it have John tons Schneider. of good music, too? Like, Cameron Crowe is oh known for God. doing... Oh, my God. Seriously, Cameron Crowe. Please. Ugh, so good. Just make mix CDs for me. <laughs> Perfect use of Tom Petty in all of his movies. <laughs> so. Your thoughts, Nick? Uh, the only thing I really... I'm really sick of Kickstarter already. I thought it was a great idea, and now I hate it, because everybody's like, oh, I can get money from people. And <clears throat> it's it's such a good thing, and it's such a bad thing at the same time. Um, but the Tim Heidecker released a... Did you hear about this or see this? He released a page of script for Zach Braff. Yeah, I didn't, yeah, I read it. Oh, my God, it made me laugh so hard. I, I was, was like, It was very funny. I was like, this is exactly how I feel. And I don't even want to get into it, because I can't possibly replicate it from memory but he's basically shitting on the whole idea and it made me laugh really hard 
And I was like, I, I agree with him for the most part. Like, I don't know. It's cool that people can get money for things that they want to make, but I feel like it's messing with the natural order of things. Like, things either get made or they don't get made. And for everything now to potentially get made, feels like it's just going to flood moviescape with just even more half-baked shit than we already have. Well, I mean, it's and It not... could go the other way. It could We could get an amazing just utopia of things getting made relatively independently by all these creative people and it'll be a good thing. But here's the thing. Here's here's what's happening here is that these like in this particular case Zach Braff is going to make a movie. He would have made it anyway, but he wouldn't have had creative control over it. Like he basically came out and said, "I can't get financing because number 1, I don't want to give away final cut and number 2, I want to be able to cast whoever I want to in this movie." Sure. So in a parallel universe, this movie would have been made, it would have gone to Cannes, and it probably would have not sold because it wouldn't have been as good as it wanted to be. Or maybe it would have been better. Maybe it would have been better. See, the problem with that is directors should, I feel, so, so, so rarely should have total control over their movie because they can never divorce themselves from the material and say, okay, this is a bad idea, or this does need to be cut, or this part of the script needs to be reworked. Directors... If you take historic examples of, of directors who have total control, I would say like eight out of ten times it's bad. You're absolutely right. You're totally right. I completely agree Which with that. Which is why, that's why I feel the way I feel. Here's what I'm saying, though, is that you probably never have to see this movie. You probably never will see this movie. Because it may not even make it to like DVD or somewhere that you can actually see it. Sure. So... What does it matter if it's out there in the ether if you don't have to watch it? <laughs> That's such a cop-out, though, because then you can never criticize a movie ever, because you could just say, I don't have to see that. Why are we even having this podcast if, if you know what I'm saying? Well, no, because we're going to watch those movies and then criticize them, but you can't <laughs> criticize the movie because of how it's going to be made, can you? Hmm. I mean, I think it's just a disruption of the system. It is a disruption of the system, but... I don't think in a good way. Sometimes the system is crappy I mean, anyway. I think the system is broken, but I don't think this is the solution. I think that they're, I don't know, it just feels to me like people buying their way into being able to make something a certain way, when maybe it shouldn't have been made that way in the first place. Well, no, I mean, here's the thing, is that now you have these people that have given money to see this movie, or get a copy of this movie, or see this movie, if they're dissatisfied with it in the end, it doesn't matter, they gave their money, he made the movie, and it's done. But they're the ones, like, you fully acknowledge as, as a contributing member of a Kickstarter that... You're giving your money to this person, and the product may not end up how it is in the end. And if you don't get the prizes that you were supposed to get, then you can get your refund. But it doesn't really like. I think you're. I think you're like taking the stance on it. That. I don't know. It just. I just don't think it's a good idea. Most of the time, most of the Kickstarter stuff I've always heard, I've been like, why? I I, th I think I honestly, I think as long as it's. I mean, just because there's something kept to in the a minimal world... level, as it's kept a thing. Like, I don't mind the Veronica Mars thing. Whatever. There's a billion Veronica Mars fans that want to see Veronica Mars. Let them have it. They want to throw the money at it. That's fine. I'm, I'm, if that's what they want, that's what they want. But it does make me nervous, and, and and it hasn't done this yet. But it scares me. Somebody online was saying that why don't we start a Kickstarter for, to get Jason Momoa cast instead of Dave Bautista? Well, there's a reason why they cast Dave Bautista as Drax that we don't know. 
that's just a scary idea. Well, you know what I'm I saying? Mean, like when we start, and you could you could never do it. Like that's that's not like that's you can't make idea. a Kickstarter being like, hey, I'm gonna raise all this money and then give it to Marvel. Kickstarter wouldn't allow that to happen. I'm just saying that it there is a potential for oh well the studio says well everybody's clamoring for this guy but we we don't want to pay him so let's just tell him that well we can pay him if you throw money at us. You know what I'm saying? Like the fans all want I don't know Christian Bale to play Tarzan. Okay. <laughs> I don't know where that came from, by the way. They want Christian Bale to play, play Tarzan. Well, we don't want to pay Christian Bale the money he wants, so have the studio start a Kickstarter. You guys want Christian Bale that bad? Give us money. Okay, Christian Bale's cast. Well, maybe Christian Bale wasn't the best choice anyway. It was the fans' choice, which is not... Oh, we know this is not right. Always the, the right choice. I, I just... I, I it's feel, just... I, where I, no, it could no, no, go no. is dangerous. I, I, I understand that. It is completely dangerous, and I feel as though I've stood on the side that you guys are on for this when we talked about the Veronica Mars one. <laughs> <laughs> Which, I, I, don't, I have nothing against Veronica Mars, but it's... The way that that is going to work out, to me, doesn't make any sense, because there's still a studio involved. That's shady. That's the shady part, is that they're going to get this $2 million that's not going to make the movie that they want to make. They're going to need way more money than that $2 million. Like, why didn't they just... It's, it's... I mean, like, in the Zach Braff case, I don't, I don't care. Because, like you said... It may never come to fruition. Who knows? And Zach Braff is obviously already kind of an established name. I don't think he sucks. I didn't like Garden State very much, but that's fine. But it's just the the notion that people are going to be able to do this now feels it feels like a cheap shortcut to me. Like, and just because something comes out and I don't care about it, and I can choose to ignore it, doesn't mean that it should still exist. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's so much bullshit getting made and even if i never see it that's fine for me but other people are seeing it and like other people are collectively getting dumbed down and watching things that just affect their taste in a negative way and that still sucks even if i never see it it's uh, i can't even think of a better way to explain Although it some, than that. some people honestly though some people i know all they rent is the really low budget direct-to-video stuff that barely gets made you know what i mean they like that stuff so there's it, it wouldn't if people weren't buying it or renting it, then there wouldn't it wouldn't exist. You know what I mean? It would it would die down. I mean, look at all the direct-to-video horror movies that come out every single week, and they yeah, continue to make a, them. It's such a thing. It's such a, a thing I always struggle with because, like, film should be. It's so subjective, and I understand that. And if somebody loves just crap movies, that's their what they love. That's what they love. But at the same time, it bums me out because I'm like, why don't they watch something good? <laughs> because that's not what's what's good to them. You I know, know I mean? it's it, weird. It it's like I'm I'm struggling to even defend my position on the kickstarter but it's the way that i feel it's like uh, so some kid could come up with the worst idea for a movie ever and if he has a bunch of friends who have a bunch of money and know a bunch of people who have a bunch of money they can get it made and then there's an, one more giant shiny turd out there in the world and it just seems so uh, i don't even want to know about it <laughs> the only thing i can see where you're saying that makes me a little nervous in the in the respect of like this use the zach braff example maybe there's another movie out there that has a very similar plot to uh, Wish I Was Here. Something that's really, you know what I mean? Something that's interesting that's been in development hell forever. That will definitely never see the light of day once this comes out. You know what I'm saying? Like, like they're going to be like, well, we've already, you know what I mean? Like, that movie's been made. Well, I think, I think of, like, like, District 9 and a guy like Neil Blomkamp, who, I don't, I mean, I don't know the ins and outs. I don't know how connected he is or isn't. But to me, he seems like a guy who worked and, like, came up with an idea and developed it in a certain way and sold it to the right people and went and made it, and it's awesome. And now we have this this director who legitimately, the system worked 
for once in a in a positive way. A guy came up with an idea and made it and made a good movie, and now he has a career as a director. Feels the same way with a guy like Nolan or a guy like Wes Anderson, guys who weren't super connected. They just had good ideas for movies, and they sold them to the right studio, and they had an actor in it that was noteworthy. And now they have careers. They did all the legwork, all the... Exactly. Yeah. And now it just feels like... It's things like this make me nervous, because I'm like, we might have a... I'm trying to think of an example, but my mind's failing me. Of somebody who made like a great freshman movie, and then their sophomore effort was just a total piece of shit, because they really had no talent. They were just in the right place at the right time, or had one good idea. And the system should be able to naturally filter those people out. Sure. Sure. It's just it's a it's a complicated thing, and I I don't think change is a bad thing, but I think this particular idea of change to me seems scary and dangerous. It's just weird when when private money is getting by by people is getting thrown into things in order to make other things. It's just I don't know, it's weird. We'll see how far <laughs> it goes. That's that's what's going to be interesting is to see to see just I mean we we have what this is like the second high profile project really. Film wise, and then yeah. the whole the so, whole prizes, yeah. the whole reward system is weird to me too. Like, I mean, I, I feel like you should you shouldn't give money, and then like if your prize sucks or what, if it's not like what you want, you get pissed. Like you should give money because you want to give money, and that's it. There shouldn't be a reward system, I don't think necessarily. The whole thing's just weird. Well, te- technically, like I, you can still give your money without claiming a prize, but they you can give incentives for somebody to get like. That's more along the lines of the people who made the Ouya console. If that Ouya console never made it to market, or they never made any prototypes, and you didn't get your Ouya that you paid for, you can get your money back. It's not like, oh, you, this movie's terrible, so I want my money back for it. That can't happen. If Zach Braff delivers a movie, and you get to see it in the form that he promised, then you're good. And that's... You you paid for well, what you good. got, and the money that you gave made this thing, whether or not you like it. But the, it's like things technology-wise is where the prizes get hmm. strange. I, my, I don't know. I had so many things run through my head as you guys were talking that I wanted to say, and now I just don't remember any of them. This is not going to be the last time we talk about Kickstarter. So. No, 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 it's not. But I I don't know. I just feel like the you're afraid of all this crap getting out there because of like this loophole that you can take. God, that's the perfect word for it. There's, there's a ton of crap getting out there without this loophole in place, like... How many scary movies have well, there been? Well, I said that, and too. How, well, yeah, so I... But this feels like it could just exponentially increase it to me. Think about... You wouldn't have Indie Game the Movie without Kickstarter. Okay. It's a pretty good documentary. Like, that's a cool thing that was made because people gave money to it. Sure. That's, that's interesting. Yeah. There's certainly bad places that this could go, but the thing is, if you're going to make $200 million on Kickstarter, that's a ton of people who are willing to give their money to see it, so they should have that thing that they're going to get. Like, it's not... It's real hard to say you're going to get a totally devoid... Like, a movie that's devoid of any sort of artistic merit from somebody... Like, people giving $2 million to a director who is somewhat established, who has made a movie before, and it has done really well. Whether or not you like it. I mean, I mean, real quick, how long was Nolan working on Inception before Inception actually happened? And it would never would have happened if not for the Batman films. It, let's be, I really don't think it would have. No, it wouldn't. But let's say that he never got the Batman gig, and I mean, maybe, you know what I'm saying? Like, Kickstarter could have potentially been the thing that got Inception made, so it's not always a bad, you know what I mean? It's not, I don't know, there are... 
Oh, yeah, but it could have been terrible. <laughs> That's true, too. <laughs> I mean, there's people on Kickstarter that are raising, like, $5,000 to go and shoot this thing that they want to shoot. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, it's like, where do you, you know, where's the regulation? You know what I mean? Where's the, it's just the variables are just so infinite with it that it, that's why it worries me. Like, what's to stop a guy like, I can't even think of an example. I can't. My brain's tired of talking about this. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'll tell you what's going to stop that guy is the fact that there's probably nobody who's going to want to give enough money for him to get to make that thing. No, I mean, somebody who should be able to get that money anyways. Like, just take any... Michael Bay, whatever. Who? What's to stop a guy like him who clearly can tap into his resources or sell a pitch to an executive to just being like, well, we don't even need you. You guys can just purely profit now or whatever. Why, Why don't we just go to people like... Oh, you want to see the Ninja Turtles movie you want so badly? Well, then give me money, and we'll make it. Well, the two the two things about that that's kind of happening in the games universe right now, because this is getting way, way, way inside baseball and doesn't need to be talked about. But anyway, there are publishers <laughs> that are raising money on Kickstarter. Not publishers, but teams that could have gotten money from publishers to make a game that are raising money on Kickstarter and getting it. Like, the guy that made Brutal Legend and, like, Day of the Tentacle and a ton of amazing LucasArts games went and raised a bunch of money despite the fact that he could go to, like, Ubisoft and be like, hey, give me money to do this, but he wanted to make the game that he wanted to make, so he went and got the money from the people. The thing that's stopping that, like, Michael Bay, Michael Bay is a bad case because, number one, you're not going to raise $400 million on a, on a movie. Like, you're, getting, you're not going to raise a Michael Bay budget on... I don't know if he came out and I I'm not so sure about that. If Veronica Mars made the kind of money it made in the quick, the people you know what I'm saying? the people who love Transformers don't know Michael Bay's name. But they the it, people who love Transformers, but if do you said, not know what a director does in a movie, get the best what? Ninja Turtles movie ever. Like the, the everything you Mark, want. Your friend Mark aside, the people that like fork over their money to go see Transformers four. They don't stay for the credits. They don't know what a director does compared to a producer, compared to a writer. Maybe, maybe, and it's a really bold. Claim. I mean, I and think most it's most likely inaccurate. But I'm, I'm just saying that if, if if he puts something up on Kickstarter, using the Ninja Turtles example, saying, you know, you've all, you know, all you Ninja Turtle fans have heard about the the, the aliens and stuff. You know, we're gonna make this movie not that everything that you don't hate that you hated about this is gonna be perfect. And he said, I need $200 million, I bet he could get it. Honest to God. If the Veronica Mars fans could collectively come together, who I didn't know existed, by the way, could come (laughs) out of the woodwork and, like, make a Veronica Mars movie, imagine the Turtles fans. I'm just, I'll just say, the Turtles fans out there are already so pissed about this that they would never come back and get the money. Okay, they might, you might be right about that part. But true. They might be like, hey, we'll pay you $200 million to not make your, not be involved in this project anymore. Yeah. What's to stop him from doing exactly. it? Exactly. <laughs> I'd be down to do that. <laughs> I'd love to get Michael Bay off of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles project. No, I don't know. It's, it's you're right. There's a lot of questions and there's a lot of reservations, and clearly we haven't seen a movie completely fail. As it's like we haven't seen these things come to fruition. Like any game, the movie's the only one, and that's a much smaller scale than what we're talking about. It here, just so. I don't know. Whatever. Money's it's, a weird thing. We'll see. Money's a weird, scary, dangerous thing. and it, I mean, we lived in a world for a long time where if people gave you money for something and you got it, then good for you. That's like what America's founded on. Like, snake oil? <laughs> That's an Ameri- Like, that is the root of American capitalism. America. Right exactly. So, I mean, 
if somebody's willing to give Michael Bay money to make the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie, like you said, if somebody's willing to give Rob Thomas and Kristen Bell $2 million to make a Veronica Mars movie... To make a new Matchbox 20 album, then, you know, I mean, (laughs) who's to stop them? All right. That's enough Kickstarter. Well, we're going to skip the rest of the film news that I had here. (laughs) Is there even anything noteworthy? Not really. We're getting a 21 Jump Street sequel in 2014. I'm done. Phil Lord and Chris Miller are going to come back to direct as of right now. And then Marvel confirmed that Daredevil is back under the Marvel Studios umbrella, so we could see a Daredevil movie in the Marvel. That's cool. I'm yeah. done. But we can we can move into our review of Michael Bay's Pain and Gain. Michael Bay's low budget film. Yes, Michael Bay's indie movie, indie Fashion flick piece. Um. So Pain and Gain uh, synopsis on on IMDb is a trio of bodybuilders in Florida get caught up in an extortion ring. And a kidnapping scheme that goes terribly wrong. And uh, directed by Michael Bay, uh, starring Mark Wahlberg, Dwayne, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Anthony Mackie, uh, Rebel Wilson, Ed Harris. Tony Shalhoub. Tony Shalhoub. That, I think that about wraps it up. Um, Willie. How yes. Did, how did you enjoy Michael Bay's Pain and Gain? Okay. Well, I will tell you this. I knew this movie was getting made. Um, I was aware that there was a bodybuilding heist kidnap thing getting made by Michael Michael Bay Bay passion piece. Yeah, I knew this was happening. Um, I had no interest in it. I then saw the trailer and I was like, oh my God, this looks hilarious. Um, and I have to see this now because it looked really funny. Um, I will say that it doesn't quite deliver on the promises that the trailer made. Um, there are some very funny moments. Yes. There are also some very disturbingly horrifying moments that freak me out. Um, but no, it's... it's Pain and Gain is a weird movie. It's based on a true story about a the Sun Jim Gang, it was called. And I, I only, Now, keep in mind, I'm not an expert on this. I just did the research after I saw the movie. So, <laughs> you know, if I screw up any of the facts here, you know. Anyway, basically, they kidnapped a guy and, you know, and, and tried to get his money and... I don't want to say too much, but yeah. um, the, the the true story that I read about um, is a pretty horrifying story. I mean, the whole thing from beginning to end is, it's there's some nastiness going on horrible there. Horrible people doing horrible things. To, to halfway decent people yeah. that are not portrayed as halfway decent people in this film. They're okay. portrayed as the villains somehow. Um, there are two... Michael Bay must have read an article on this and said, I, this is the movie. I want to make this movie. He read, this the, is... he read the Playboy magazine expose. Probably. Um... He was probably strolling through Penthouse or Hustler, and he's like, you know what? This sounds like a good movie. That's, that's Michael Bay's kind of thing. Because um, no. we, know, we know Michael Bay reads Playboy for the articles. Uh, you know he does. Uh, and to find his, his uh, extras for the strip club <laughs> scenes. Um, anyway, so, you know, he sat down and read this, and he... Decided to make this movie because he liked the story, and honestly, at its absolute base, the idea for this is very interesting. I think it, it, it had a lot of potential. I totally see why he read the article and went, "Man, that would make a really cool, cool movie." Um, that being said, there are two avenues you could have taken this story down. You could have gone the basic route of taking the concept of bodybuilders that start this extortion ring and turned it into a Michael Bay-esque action comedy hybrid bad boys type deal. But not, you know, not necessarily even use the names of the people 
or the or every single fact and not make it a historical account of what happened. <laughs> don't, don't put this is a true story on the on the trailer on the poster. On the poster don't remind you movie. halfway through the film. Um, no, but seriously, you could have done this. Totally could have worked as an action comedy in the Michael Bay verse, um, or you could have taken this story and really translated it exactly as it happened and make it like a true crime story and made it really harrowing and, and you know what I mean? I'm almost like a, I think of blow for some reason. You know what I mean? Like a real hard-hitting drama about what really happened. Michael Bay does neither of those things. <laughs> Actually, he does both of those things. Um, and he, he attempts both of those things. And that is the biggest problem with Pain and Gain, is that it tries to take both of those avenues. I'm not saying those are the only movies that could ever be made from this story, but I think those are the two most viable options. And I'm sure those were probably the two things that he thought of because he put them both in here. <laughs> um, and it just doesn't blend well. It really doesn't. And uh, the movie looks great. It sounds great, as I expected it to. I mean, it's Michael Bay, so... Um, but it just... It, I, I, it left so much to be desired in almost every aspect. You know, it... it, uh, it I, I will admit that the first... 20 or so minutes, it was it was definitely hard to get into. I was unsure of what the heck I was watching. Um, there's a lot of weird voiceover narration. <laughs> From multiple different people. Points of view, and then, like, you don't get any more voiceover for, like, extended periods of time. Then he decides the voiceover's back in the movie now, just so you guys know. Hey, it's, it's part of the movie again. <laughs> um, and strange editing choices and real music video. You know what I mean? It feels like a music video for a while there. Um, never since House of a Thousand Corpses have I felt like I'm watching a, a feature-length music video. <laughs> like, this is the first time since that. Um, and it it just... And then I, I actually kind of got into it. Because honestly, like, the characters, especially the Anthony Mackie character and uh, The Rock's character, are a lot of fun. They really are. Earlier, early, you know, in the first hour or so of the film, yeah. they're a lot of fun. And I was enjoying watching them bumbling and... and you know, and then you know all the attempts to try and become millionaires overnight was it was it was really funny. It was it was really funny, and the supporting cast was funny too. And then it just oof, it careens off a cliff so fast, and we will talk about that in the spoiler section. Okay, but it does. All right. Yeah, it's we a mess. Should, it's should, a mess. We should pass to Nick. Nick, what are your thoughts on Pain and Gain? Uh, <clears throat> I went I went into it with really no expectations. I kept, um, you know, I thought the trailer was funny looking, but I still wasn't really sold. I was like, whatever, we'll see. And I couldn't really get into it at the beginning. It really threw me off. Like, the first act is kind of weird. It's really, you're kind of like, uh, it just isn't very compelling. And then somewhere, I still don't remember where, I just suddenly found myself being really in- enjoying the movie. And I was like, this is weird. <laughs> and I, I left it completely satisfied. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Interesting. I really have no complaints. Interesting. All right. I'm really confused about a lot of your complaints. Mine? Okay. Yeah. All right. And yours, too, because they're going to be the same, because I saw the, your reactions to everything Willie said. I'm very confused by a few of them, because there are things that are in a zillion other movies, things that nobody ever complains about. So I feel like this is going to be a pretty hot debate. Okay. Is it more spoiler debate that we should be <laughs> taking this to, or should we be talking about some of this now? Yeah. Um... Maybe maybe spoiler. It's okay. just I don't know. It's weird because I've been reading a lot of the online criticism about it too, 
And there's like there's two camps that I can see as far as this movie goes. Like people who were like surprised and actually really liked it and people who just can't really get past their dislike of Michael Bay to even bother attempting to And I'm 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 in neither one of those. That's camps. the majority of what I've been seeing, and so it's like it's weird. It's a very, very like you you described it well. You said it's a weird movie. It's a it is. super weird movie. It's it's. I felt I like I was. I felt the... like I was. I was Tony Shalhoub's character in this movie. I was duct taped <sighs> and and tied to my chair and tortured for two hours and ten minutes. I think it's one of the weirder movies I've not ever seen, but in recent memory, it's it's very weird. It's very, very strange. It's super different. It's surprising it got made, even though it's Michael Bay that pitched this thing. No, I don't think so. I mean, I think I thought in the way in in the, the I'm surprised the final product got to screen as is exactly as you know. I'm still not either. I mean, it's really? way weirder movies have made it to screen, and way less coherent movies have made it to screen. And it feels the whole movie feels like a Guy Ritchie movie made by Michael Bay. The different the shifts in protagonist and narration. Every Guy Ritchie movie. The random voiceover coming and going, every Guy Ritchie movie. Yeah, but he, I don't know. He has some of that that English charm that I don't. I think Michael Bay is completely lacking. The movie is very, like, it. it's hilariously patriotic. And then it, it kind of almost redacts on that sort of by the end. It's, I don't know, it's, it's a very, very, very strange movie. But I don't think that's bad. I think it's good. No, I, I think, don't think strange is necessarily... I think if we had gotten a super straightforward... I'm glad I saw the movie I saw and not one of the two potential painting games that you described. Those probably would have been fine. But I would have been bored. Like, trans, if Transformers had been like this, Transformers 3, I probably would have loved it. <laughs> but Transformers 3 is exactly what avenue we thought it was going to be. It was big, well, sure. loud, that, there, dumb action. I mean, we had two movies to predict what it was going to be from the, you know, beforehand. And like this, the, what this movie, what I thought this movie was going to be, is not what it was, and I'm happy about that. I thought it was going to be an, a, like a silly, entertaining meathead romp movie, and then just it was not really that at all. And I'm I'm actually really glad for that. It was very I don't know, I can't even get my thoughts together, even though I have notes. <laughs> <laughs> Alex, you can go on. We can talk more in the, the spoilers. This movie's a large turd. <laughs> I hated it so much. I don't hate Michael Bay. I, I enjoyed the first Transformers. I even enjoyed the third Transformers. Bad Boys is sweet. Bad Boys 1 and 2 are a lot of fun. Uh, I've never seen Armageddon. I've awesome. never seen uh, The Island. Uh, I've seen most of Pearl Harbor. but The Island isn't very good. Um, <laughs> I was utterly bored the whole way through this movie. Like, The first hour didn't hook me. The second hour didn't hook me. <laughs> the last ten minutes didn't hook me. Um, it's very schizophrenic, is how I would describe it. It's a schizophrenic movie. You have these multiple narrators, who half of which I don't understand why they're narrating or why their point of view is important. Um, all the voiceover of the narration was really bad. Like, it felt like The Rock was, like, learning English for the first time. Like, when he was reading over the notes and the when voiceover he, When he booth. first started doing the voiceover, I agree, but like I, th- I thought he got better. I don't even on. think he read that part of the script before he sat down in the studio, which is possible. Yeah, it's, yeah. It could happen on a movie. 
but I don't think it it made for very good voiceover. Um, Ed Harris was awesome, as usual. <laughs> Ed Harris was awesome. Of course, Anthony Mackie and The Rock were enjoyable in the first half of the movie, but with the with the subject matter at hand. A serious movie would would have been disturbing, and a comedic movie, like the movie that we got, feels like it's mocking the situation, and that, like, the disgusting things that they end up doing are just, like, played off as comedic moments, but they're not even that particularly funny, either. It's like, I don't understand why this movie was made. I don't see what Michael Bay saw, and was, like, like I, from what you said, yeah, it's a compelling story, but what did he lose between the script and actually making the movie that you know like it it doesn't it didn't come all together like i would think it would i just and i feel like any of the action that was in this movie like any of the fighting or anything like that i think he's forgotten since like earlier movies how to film anything that doesn't have like a large semi fighting a sudan or something sudan 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 fighting the the country of sudan (laughs) was there even fighting in the movie I, don't I remember mean, there being fighting. There are a couple of brief. There's like chase sequences. Action. Yeah, scenes. like even the chase sequences and things like like any time where there's like frenetic movement of some kind, it just never comes through. And Michael Bay action movies, Transformers are edited to a point where they're obliterated and it's chaos cinema. But it's this movie doesn't even do that. It's like, not it a typically. It's not a, not a terribly actiony movie though. No, to it's be fair, not. it really isn't. It's not. And, and um, I don't think that's a bad thing, but it's it, it's yeah. There's it's not there's not a ton of action for a Michael Bay movie, certainly. But like any any of the foot chases or anything like that, I feel like are rendered somewhat useless by the fact that it's not that I can't understand what's going on, but it's just it's boring. It, none of it, nothing popped in this movie. Nothing was like Michael Bay's really good at spectacle, and there wasn't any of that in this movie, and mm-hmm. and. Uh, even story-wise, like, there was nothing that I could really sit down and, like, put teeth into, which I guess it's my fault for going to a Michael Bay movie wanting that. But I I have nothing good to say about this movie, except for Ed Harris. The spectacle when you first see The Rock's physique is pretty great, though. Well. I'm just saying. You can't, you can't diminish that. That is a big dude. <laughs> he was huge. He was huge. I don't even know where to go from here. So, I, I think a lot of this, despite the fact that it's a true story, we're going to have to talk about in spoilers because not every I did I certainly didn't know the true story beforehand. That's I don't fine. think any of us did. Not not the details. Um, letter grade, Alex. I want you to go first. F, F. Uh, yeah, it's like, an F. Like straight up. There's nothing for me to to get out of this movie at all. I didn't enjoy it. There, I, like I got like one and a half laughs. I just nothing. I I have nothing else to say. Nick, I'm like in like I don't know, man. I have to see it again. But when I f- initially left, I was like thinking like I was like, wow, I'm surprised. And the more I thought about it, the more I thought it was awesome. And now I'm hovering around like B plus, A minus. Wow, that is for real. Fascinating. I'm at like a <laughs> No, I mean I'm just they're, they're so polarizing different. I'm very interested to get into this this talk about this. But um for me, 
I'm going to go with right now. I'm, I'm at like a like a D plus. I didn't think it was as bad as you did, Alex, but I certainly didn't think it was good. So D plus is a bad grade. That's actually not. You know, it's bad. Yeah, it's. You've bad. never given a movie lower than like a C minus on this. Oh no, Resident Evil. I gave. Oh, did you? Yeah. Oh yeah. I said to Willie earlier, I would rather watch Resident Evil or Paranormal Activity four again than go see this movie. I can't agree with you on the Paranormal Activity Absolutely four. Absolutely not. I can't agree with you on the Paranormal Activity 4. I, I might actually rather watch Resident Evil just purely because of the stupid goofy... No, I wouldn't. I'd rather watch Pain and Gain. But I don't like any of those movies. But okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, we're going to go into spoilers. Just one right there. Yeah. Um, first of all, The Rock is awesome. Um, Spoiler uh, alert. The Rock <laughs> is awesome. If you didn't know already, <laughs> you should know by now. Um, the Rock on cocaine is even funnier. Um, no, seriously, like, I never thought I'd see The Rock playing a coke addict, and I'm pretty happy that I did. Because um, he's, he's, he's really funny when he's, I mean, like, it shouldn't be funny, because, like, seriously, the man's life is, like, careening out of control and he's like reverting back to the horrible things he did before he found religion but it's there are some very funny moments and and he what's funny is he I, you'd expect somebody like the rock because he is such a theat like because of wrestling and theatrics and and how much of a showboat he is in like interviews and stuff you would expect him to play the coke head kind of like over the top ridiculous like throwing furniture through windows and stuff. Yeah. But he, he does really subtle things that are really funny. Like, the scene uh, when they're putting on the presentation yeah. for all the people, and he's behind the clipboard, and just like, like the, the the whiteboard, and this is the way he knocks it over. He's like, oh, oh, oh. You can hear him in the background. Like, <laughs> it's it's funny. It's really funny. He does he does a fun yeah, job of that. awesome. And I like the play between him and um, him and the... the is it a, She was Russian, right? The girl? Yeah. She, it's pretty funny. And actually, the play between Mark Wahlberg and her is really funny when he's trying to convince her that he's like an FBI agent. Yeah. I laugh my butt off at that part. The other thing that I thought was really funny was Anthony Mackie. And I kind of had forgotten until like the day, because I went on the IMDb page to like refresh my memory of who was involved in this movie before I went and saw it. And I kind of forgot about Anthony Mackie. And he really, like he steals the show in most of the scenes he's in. It was really good. And he's, I mean... I, I'm not a huge. I'm not nuts on Mark Wahlberg most of the time because I don't feel like he differentiates. Like he, he feels like the same character in a lot of the movies he does because a lot of them are more, are more like kind of generic like contraband and stuff like that. You know, like the action movies he does yearly. Yeah. But um. Yearly. <laughs> he does yeah, like seven of them. <laughs> um, but um, the the interplay between him and him and Mackie and then the chemistry between those three guys is actually pretty solid. Um, Mackie is very funny because he's playing you know he he got all buffed up for this role and he here he is playing this like total dork like it's just it's very funny um rebel wilson i didn't like because i usually don't like rebel wilson i'll be honest i i just don't think she's that funny i no i don't even know who she was she I still don't know anything else she's anthony, anthony mackie's well i know she oh. was in the movie but she i i just don't i, hate I the, didn't know she was a thing they they yeah i mean she was fine for... I mean, she didn't have a huge... I mean, she had an important role, I guess, but not a huge role, so... Um, the soundtrack was perfectly fitting of this movie. 
You know what I mean? Like like the Gangster's Paradise and stuff was pretty that was funny. pretty mm-hmm. pretty solidly used. I forgot um, what songs were even in the movie. Well, I they most of the so, the source stuff they used was really well placed yeah, in the movie. Yeah. The, the actual score I didn't really notice all that much. It was but, there. But I mean, I expected that that probably the source music would be utilized pretty well and it was. Yeah. Um <clears throat> the let me see. I, I, I the next thing I'm going to talk about, I don't want to I don't want anybody to think that this is this is a judgment of the film, but having done the research afterwards on on what actually happened, I do think there is a little bit of irresponsibility when it comes to this movie. And it's not I'm not a censor, and I don't I think that ultimately you should make the movie you want to make. And this is the movie Michael Bay wanted to make, but I mean, <laughs> when you're using uh, when you're when you're making a movie based on a true story, and this one doesn't just say based on a true story, it says this is a true story. <laughs> there are certain things that you really shouldn't shy away from. And having read some of the things that happened, there's this there's a scene obviously towards towards the the beginning of the third <laughs> act, I guess, where they kidnap the guy and his girlfriend. Or they don't kidnap him, but they set up the meeting, and everything goes haywire, and the barbell falls on the guy's head and crushes it, and then Anthony Mackie's like, shit, I gave her too much horse tranquilizer. And apparently that's not even close to how it went down. Like, they murdered those people. Like, like it wasn't accidental. It was intentional. Yeah. It was very much intentional. And that bugs me a little bit, because it... It's trying to make you sympathize a little bit more with the situation they're in, because they're in over their heads. And that's fine, if this movie wasn't state, you know what I'm saying? If it wasn't stating this is what happened and obviously they're going to take liberties, but that one felt, I'm like, if you're going to make them have this super huge fall from the American dream into absolute depravity, which they do. And and they, they include some of that. I mean, obviously cutting people's hands off and barbecuing them is, it doesn't get much more depraved than like, like that's about as nasty as it could possibly get. But there are certain elements where they softened the the things these people did. I felt like that didn't need to be. They shouldn't have been. They should have really gone out there and, sh- and and told people like this is what how nasty things got. But yeah, and and that's not so much. I can't say that that affected my view on the film before watching it or during watching it because I didn't know. Yeah. But afterwards, I will say that that's something that I think that that should be th- talked about a little bit is. If you know, it just it bugs me. Like, well, I guess my big question is, why would you th- see the story and be like, let's make this funny? I think, I mean, I think there's there's humor inherent in the fact that you have all these these meathead bodybuilders that think they're going to pull off this great crime caper. That that the idea, the concept of that is very funny. It is, and it's utilized. <laughs> it's utilized for humor. A lot towards the beginning, and that was more the more the portion of the movie I liked. I mean, they, yes, they were torturing Tony Shalhoub, and and I mean, I felt bad for him, even though he, you know, they, he was kind of a jerk in the movie or whatnot. But you know, but it still it kept it not light, but it kept it you know kept it funny. And once they get really down in the depths and start killing people, um, if 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 that's what they were, if they were, I'm surprised they even went with that portion of the story. To be honest, I honestly didn't see that coming. And I think it's a bold choice, but I think that if you're going to do it, you should do it. And you know I, what I'm well, saying? Well, I just, I don't even feel like he was particularly successful in making it very comedic. But maybe that's just me. I mean, everybody in the theater was laughing. But... I thought, I thought, especially during the first hour, there's some very funny moments. I thought. 
I mean, yes, there were some that were still, were stupid funny, but I still oh, yeah. I still laughed. I mean, like yeah, Anthony Mackie getting penis injections is is silly, and yes, it's kind of juvenile humor, but it's hilarious because here's this guy that's this huge buff dude, and he's sitting there like he's all depressed and sad, and he's got this woman sticking his dick with a needle. That was kind of funny to me, but I don't know. I mean, humor's some people like different things too. So yeah, yeah. Um, but I, when it when it comes down to it, regardless of of how I feel about the portrayal of actual events, because like I said, I didn't know them beforehand. Regardless of how I feel about that, I just don't think, as a film, not as a document of something that happened, as a film, I just don't I don't like the 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 shift in, I don't like the shift of where it goes. I don't like the fact that I. I'm enjoying the, you know, like I'm enjoying being around these characters, and then I'm supposed to hate them and loathe them, and then I'm supposed to kind of like them again, and then I, it just, it's too much back and forth for me. I, I found myself feeling detached from the movie by the end of it because I was like, I don't screw all these people except for Ed Harris, like, <laughs> and maybe that's what he wanted me. Maybe, maybe the goal that's, here. That's generally how I feel about movies. <laughs> if Ed Harris is in it, everybody else sucks. <laughs> um, that's that's generally like. The only thing I can think of that maybe what Michael Bay was trying to say with this, if he was trying to say anything, is he was trying to get people to feel sympathetic towards these guys, even though they were doing crappy stuff. They were so bumbling and goofballish that you feel you you feel for no, them. No, I mean I understand the choice to make them sympathetic because you make sympathetic characters in a movie. Absolutely, they're the, they're the protagonists. Yeah. So, but I, if he's trying to say anything, I think he was trying to make you sympathize for them and then show and then really pull the curtain back on how nasty they really were. You know what I'm saying? Or the lengths they would go to to get what they wanted. That If that's what he was trying to say, he he did a halfway decent job at saying it, I suppose, but it didn't make for an enjoyable movie to me. I still didn't walk out of the movie enjoying it. Um, But, I don't know. Okay. Yeah. That's me. That's me. Nick, let us discuss, sir. I definitely agreed with a lot of what you say. I think it's important with the movie to remember that it is, this is a work of fiction. This is a movie. Sure, it just, it wasn't painted as such, this is, and that's what bugged me. See, I don't understand why you say that. I don't remember ever getting the impression that they were saying, this is a, this is docu, this is fact. I mean, it was, it's in the opening credits, this is a true story. Not, this is based on a true story. And there's, I'm but sorry, I mean, but there's a language thing there. Do you believe there. that? I, I I never believe it, but it's still <clears throat> just like what's the point of anybody saying it anymore? And why stop? Like why like put full stop in the middle of the movie? This is still a true story. Like okay. I mean, I think what I took f- what I took from this is a true story is just I don't know. I didn't for a second be like, oh cool, this is going to be verbatim of what actually happened. And, and I'm not. I, I, I didn't. I didn't expect that. No, the thing is, the thing is, anytime think, you see this is based I, on a true took, story, it you know that there's going to be a certain element of dramatization behind things or <clears throat> or there's going to be aspects of a courtroom drama that took that actually happened that they're going to get rid of because nobody wants to watch the court proceedings for 4 hours sure. i get that but that's a pretty important important plot point that they choose to murder these people it's not oh my gosh she fell down oh the thing fell on us they chose you know what i'm saying this is something that should have been included because that hits harder you know what i'm saying then Oh, they bumbled again. Oh, these people are dead. You know what I mean? It. I mean, I don't think so. I don't really agree that that would have been more effective, them killing people. 
I think because it actually happened, it's important, though. I really do. I think that, I mean, if you're using the same, the names of all the people involved and, and, and you go out of your way to say that it's a true story. And like I said, it didn't say this is based on, it said this is a true story. I think that they already had them cutting off their hands and barbecuing arms and tossing them in dumpsters and throwing them in a lake. I, I mean, mean, I think for the purposes of his of his movie, it's that these guys, these three guys were idiots. Oh, and they were. They Absolutely. Weren't, they weren't murderers. They weren't malicious people. They were just morons. And they were. I'm not saying that they weren't, but I think that that is... And that's why I think for the purposes of the movie, them not killing anybody, I was, or at least intentionally murdering anybody, I was fine. I didn't care. And I read a little bit. I read. I read about it after the fact, and I was like, "Wow, this is a horrifying story." Oh yeah, it, it's worse. I mean, it's it's worse than the movies. I and mean, then I, I mean, but that didn't cloud my opinion of the movie at all because I was like, "It's a movie," sure. and I guarantee that at the end of the credits it says events in this movie are fictitious. It probably and based does based on actual people. It's whatever. It probably does. I mean, I I don't know. I didn't I didn't ever be like, "Whoa, Michael Bay has a responsibility to portray the events as they happened." I mean, I, I don't know. I didn't really think about it. I was just kind of watched, but... Well, and I mean, this is, like I said, this is all stuff that I... I mean, plus the... This is all after the fact, too. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is yeah. stuff that I looked up. And now that I... Once I, once I read that, I was kind of like, you know... I mean, there's, a, there's I mean, a danger inherent to movies based on true stories or movies that are true stories. I mean, they're never... They're never, ever... I remember when I, when I found out, like, that... Like... <laughs> 70% of Cool Runnings is totally made up. I was, like, heartbroken. Because yeah. I was like, Cool Runnings is an amazing movie, but it's a movie. Right. Like, movies are movies. They're, they're there to be... They're not there to not... They're there to, to make the... <laughs> make the real fantastical. Sure. For better or for worse. They're not there to, to tell the event as it happened, because those are documentaries. I think it is, it is, though. I mean... I think we're getting hung up on this point, and... You don't necessarily particularly think of it as detracting from the movie. No, no, and, and this is not. This is so not. Honestly, I think this you is... guys are arguing about a point that you, neither of you really like. You both agree. <laughs> I just I don't really care. I'm ambivalent towards it. But yeah. anyway, uh, for, I guess for what I really liked about the movie, I I enjoyed all of the characters, but I never thought they were sympathetic. Which is like we, I think all three of us have gotten wildly different reads on the movie yeah <laughs> and uh like you said that you know he makes he wants to make the character sympathetic because that's what you do in your movies but i never i never felt sympathetic for any of the three guys at all i i, I felt bad Mark for the Wahlberg. rock i didn't really feel bad for the rock i kind of did but I, I i mildly felt bad for all of them but i didn't sympathize with them i was like i pity them all three of them the only one I maybe felt sympathetic towards was Anthony Mackie because he was just trying so hard to be buff. That's all he wanted was to be buff, and he couldn't. <laughs> it was like I mean, he was, but he wasn't. It was really funny, right? And they were all—I thought they were all hilarious characters. I this is the I think the first movie ever where I can legitimately say I really enjoyed Mark Wahlberg. Besides The Departed, I guess. Boogie Nights. He's, he, he's pretty he good. He painted. Yeah, that's true. He painted the most pathetic character. The scene where he's in like the. Ken Young, like you can do it. <laughs> that seems like, all funny. those other sad ass people. I was just like dying because I was like, oh, these people are so sad, and there's a million people just like them in the world whose lives are not what they want, and they turn to some cheap like VHS. You can better yourself. Snake oil salesman. Five step crap. 
And I just thought it was hilarious. I don't know. <laughs> I thought Mark Wahlberg did such a good job of embodying that guy who has this really positive attitude and tries so damn hard, but just, like, nothing will come of it. I thought all the macho American dream whatever dialogue that he spotted was hysterical. It just... Uh, I, I got so much entertainment out of all the characters. And I didn't sympathize with any of them. I didn't... I would never want to hang out with any of them in real life, but... <laughs> This is the first movie I think I ever watched where I felt like when there was a funny Michael Bay character, like, I was laughing, like, I felt like Michael Bay made them that way on purpose. And I was like, I'm laughing at this character because Michael Bay intended them to be, like, I felt like I was laughing more with the movie than at the movie. Mm. Usually the funny, bumbling, stupid, dumb characters in his movies, you're just like, these are horribly written characters. Like, these are just bad Ken Jeong in Transformers 3. Ken, and yeah, exactly. Yeah. And in this movie, I felt like there was a, actually a guiding hand to the, the the way these characters were being portrayed. I actually felt like someone in this movie is being directed. and all Because all three of the characters all found that same streamline. Now, I'm not saying you've got Mark Wahlberg and The Rock, who are movie stars. If you had no names or people who were lesser actors in those parts, it might not have come through. Um, like a, But because... I don't know, because for those two, I felt like they were at least on the same page as Michael Bay, that he, it felt to me watching the movie that he was like, I want these three characters to just be, to just suck and be sad. And I want you guys to make them guys who are so confident in themselves, but they don't know how wrong they are. And to me, I, I enjoyed the fact that I laughed at that. and I laughed at these characters. It felt like it was, it was the movie, that was the intention of the movie. And it was, I was happy that that's, that's how it came through. Um, and the, all three of them were really, really good. That's the thing. I remember walking out of the theater thinking, these three guys are really funny. They have good chemistry. They all do, of their they dialogue... Do, they do work really well together. I, I thought say all that. their dialogue was really funny. I remember being really surprised by Anthony Mackie. Like, the whole scene in the strip club when he's talking to The Rock, I was just dying laughing. I was like, this is so weird. And The Rock just gave him that look like, what the hell are you even saying? This, and you, you know, you're right. If you can feel bad for anybody, it's probably The Rock because he tries to come in like the straight man and straighten himself out, and he just devolves into the same. Well, and he gets kind of strong armed into it. Not that he could have. You know, sure, I mean, and I his... think that's why it's good. It just shows like these guys who try to be good people that are weaker minded get seduced, especially people who have a criminal past. They get seduced by the idea of that one last big score that'll help them get out, and then he comes up with the other porn king target or whatever. And but like. I don't understand complaints about the the chronology of the movie or for it being hard to follow or the shifts in narrative bothering anyone. I remember being thrown when all of a sudden the movie jumped over into Ned Harris or Ned <laughs> into Ed Harris's perspective, but I didn't care. I was like this is cool. The movie's shaking up again. Like I didn't mind. I I thought it was welcome. I was like this movie Oh, it was that was very welcome. This movie is is doing unexpected things. When it becomes thought, no country for old men. <laughs> I thought I thought that was cool. I thought the voiceover was a funny cinematic tool that doesn't get used often, and when it does get used, it's not always used right. But like I said, it felt like a Guy Ritchie movie where you're you're jumping directly into the heads of these characters, and then you're jumping out into someone else's head and seeing that same first character from a different perspective. Like at first, you you think for a minute you're like, oh, The Rock is such a nice guy, and you feel you feel for his position with Tony Shalhoub and then you see it from the outside you're like wait he's an idiot who just ruined everything I I don't know it was just to me that's interesting the, the the jumps in narrative but I don't know I liked the way the chronology was all over the place or like it started with the end sort of and then went back and then 
continue. Mm, yeah. I, I was really surprised because I remember seeing that whole sequence basically in the trailer, and I was like, wait, this is the beginning of the movie, but it's also the end. Like, I didn't expect that to be the end of the movie. When it was the end, I was like, that's pretty sweet. I don't know. I liked it. Um, let me see if I got a... I think I had a couple of things jotted down. One other thing I will say real quick about <laughs> the... the um the flow of the story and the voiceovers and whatnot is I, I I feel like there's a lot of ideas early on and actually some ideas that start halfway through or so that get weirdly abandoned during different parts of the movie. Um, I mean, the the voiceovers in particular, I, I didn't have as much of a problem with you, Alex, as, as with the actual, like, the dialogue of the voiceovers or the delivery or anything, but I, I think the... When they're when they choose to incorporate that is so kind of all over the place that it throws me. Was it? I I felt like it was always around. It was always early on for each character. I like think it, it kind comes of back in. Them. It comes back in during the middle portion for a minute too, and then it kind of goes away again. And it was kind of strange to have that. I was like, wait a second, what's you know? What's I think going I remember on? getting it early on with every character, and then the only one it kind of repeated with was Wahlberg because he was kind of the, he was the main character. I think it comes back to to the Rock Maybe or Mackie later like on. Something it, it it does it again because I remember being like it does with the Rock. Yeah, I remember being like, wait a second, the vo- oh there were voices. Like I was I was just thrown for a loop. It didn't like kill the that didn't kill the movie for me, but it was a weird choice. You know what I mean to to intercut that in certain spots and and. It was a little different, little because usually, I mean, with voiceovers, it not that you have to stick to an established thing, but it, you expect like it either to continually happen throughout a movie, you know what I mean, in key scenes to set up what's going or on, or or bookend it or something, you know what I mean. And this was kind of, you know, this was bookended, but it was also kind of like interspersed throughout the film, and I was like, all right, while well, you're showing us this, you don't need to tell us. It's definitely a weird movie. I mean, it does it does shift in narrative and it does shift tonally a lot. Like it starts it, does. it starts innocently enough and then it gets kinda dark and it gets very funny and then it gets really dark. But I don't remember ever thinking it came back from being dark. I remember thinking it ended and I was like, okay, like It 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 ends on a strange note for me and it might just be the way I felt about the ending scenes, what they were trying to I mean, the 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 Mark Wahlberg in the in the when once he's kind of in the limelight and stuff, you know what I'm saying, for doing the crime and stuff that almost felt to me like it was it was like trying to be weirdly uplifting or something, and I maybe that wasn't the intention, but I felt that, and I was like, "This is like horrible." Like, you know, like, I don't know. And then, as far as the the tonal shift, there's a couple moments in the movie where, because it does it does start off mostly comedy, you know what I mean, and then it kind of starts gradually going down downhill. But there's a couple of moments in the movie where it weirdly blends the two. And one in particular that I can think of is um, the the scene where they decide to kill Tony Shalhoub. It bounces from being really funny to really to, like just horrifying, like back and forth constantly. Like, and it's it just it's as a as a viewer, it's really hard to like. It's it's just it it, it screws with you because it and not in a good way, in my opinion. I mean, I just you know, like you go from him being like, what did he, what did he call Tony Shalhoub? They had they like pet names for each other. The Rock and Tony Shalhoub. I don't remember what it was, but Big Poppy, Big Pepe, or something like that. Pepe, yeah, and, and, and he had like his Hebrew name that he gave him, and that was really Not funny. Bad. That was <laughs> that was one of my favorite favorite things in the movie was the and like and so like there's there's a moment where he says like, "Are you okay, Pepe?" or something like that, like God. in the car, and yeah, and, yeah, and uh, but then he's crushing his head with a car, which is so. But then that even that feels like it's being played for comedy. I thought, 
Even the moment where he's running off this I mean, guy's I think, head. I think the the thing that I kind of realize is that the movie really doesn't have much of its own voice. It just kind of goes wherever the characters are. And I think that's important. What you just said is important to reinforce that idea is that it is going from it's going from like serious to funny so frequently and so because the characters are so crazy and they're just flitting back and forth between there's nothing is thought out they're basically just running on gut instinct all the time and, and, and i was told even this their beforehand, like plan was moronic i was told by somebody who saw it beforehand like just just let it take you don't <laughs> don't think about it just just sit in the chair and just let it go where it goes and and i did I, I i mean i tried to you know there were i don't know it's i definitely felt like also this was the first movie in a long time where i felt like the rock was actually having to act and like it seemed like he actually is better as an actor in this movie than i've maybe ever seen him before because in other movies he usually plays roles that like you're like okay yeah the rock he plays giant guy who's charming sure or he plays giant and in this movie he had to go from like being like straight laced sympathetic like church going to just like totally coked out and weird to like on the lamb running from the cops with his toe blown off to he just had to do so much and i remember thinking like the rock actually feels like he's stretching himself in this movie and there was some, that was cool there's some weird wacky moments too that i didn't understand and and that i wasn't I, I, like I, I first of all this movie's too long i thought i it, it this movie did not need to be over two hours long. It's a hair too long, but didn't bother me like other movies we've seen recently have. Yeah, and, and that's been a problem with movies in general for me lately, and I think everybody here. But this one in particular, I was like, this this could be a 90-minute tight story. You know what I mean? It really could. And I think it might benefit from being a tighter a tighter movie. Because there's just little things that I just... I feel like it's... They're thrown in there for, for cheap humor a little bit you know what i mean like or, or cheap humor or cheap gag his movies usually have at and, least a, one or two instances sure yeah of, yeah but like things like the like the priest like gro- groping the rock and stuff was just really like yeah, so I, unnecessary I and and the although the rock like beating the shit out of him was kind of important to his character though because he does sure. say i almost killed him and he's like what you know sure and and and, and that that was more so but it just it's just weird in that like the, the use of the little guy the you know what I mean? The 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 little person in the scene where the rock's like carrying him around. It was very funny. It was like I'm gonna knock you out now. You know, like like the way he's talking to him. But like, just like, why is this here? Why is this part of this movie? What purpose does this, any of this serve? And it, and that's another thing tonally where it's like, there are moments where it feels like it's hitting these really goofball goofball comedy bits, like these gags. And I'm like, that is not like this movie is is already like beyond that it's already so dark why are we still making fart jokes you know not fart jokes but you know what i'm saying like why are we still doing this at this point i mean i think a lot of that for a lot of people is going to boil down to whether or not they are okay with like genre mixing in movies or like movies like the movie crank is the same way it goes from like and the movie is like this it even like looks the same and plays the same it's just this bizarre like schizophrenic movie that just can't ever stay on one spot yeah, it's that that movie's all over the place. Completely, but it's enjoyable. Place. Yeah, I, I I mean I enjoy I enjoyed Crank. Um, for I mean I I yeah, it was goofy, but it I don't know fun. for some reason like when I walked away from this one, I found myself thinking about the next day, and I was like, I kind of really enjoyed it. It was weird. Yeah, I thought I mean I guess, but I mean it boiled down. I thought everybody in it was good. I thought the story was was told in an interesting way. It was not it. It was not the movie that I expected, and for that, I'm I was pretty happy. 
Yeah, it's it's not. I, it I, looked. I mean, it looked good and sounded good, like you said, which was to be expected. Mm-hmm. Um, it just reminded me a lot of a Guy Ritchie movie. Or, and I'm not. And, and admittedly, I'm not nuts about Guy Ritchie, so that might be something to do with it too. You know I what I'm love saying? Guy Ritchie. So that's just. I think that's just probably one of those things where it's different strokes for different folks. I don't know, Alex. Do you? Have you seen any Guy Ritchie stuff? Or? Just, just the first Sherlock Holmes, which... And that's, which the most, is, that's the most un-Guy Ritchie movie yeah, he's so ever it's, made. Yeah, and that's that's certainly different from his normal, you know, stuff. Um, but, and, and this... I can see what you're saying. It does feel... It does feel similar to that. I don't think it works nearly as well as those movies that, that it can be comparable to by any means, but... I can see what you're saying. I can see the comparison being made there. So, and that might just, like I said, that might just be different strokes for different folks because I'm not huge on Guy Ritchie. I understand why people like him, but I don't, you know, I'm not nuts about his movies. So I, don't I mean, know. I'm always, I'm always down for a movie doing a lot of the things this movie did, where it jumps around, kind of shifts in protagonist and shifts in the random things like weird voiceover and weird freeze framing on something and characters sort of, in a way, almost breaking the fourth wall. Yeah, and I think that there's a lot of movies that do that well. That there's a lot of movies that are very, I guess, I guess they're fren- frenetic. That's that's what you had said earlier. And 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 this movie is frenetic in every in every capacity. I mean, every 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 aspect of this movie is all, is nuts. You know what I'm saying? I. But I think that I don't feel like during this movie, for me, that Michael Bay. It was not organized chaos to me. It didn't feel like this. It felt like everything was nuts and crazy and zany and could work in in in, in a movie. But I didn't feel like there. It, I didn't feel like he was orchestrating it. Does that make sense? I didn't feel like he had the specific blueprint and knew as a filmmaker where each one of these moments, where each. I didn't feel the cohesiveness with all of those elements in this movie. So. You know, it's an it's an interesting it's it's an interesting thing to talk about because it's a very weird movie. I mean, really weird, especially because uh, this is the first time Michael Bay's been able to make something in in years that's his own thing because he's been stuck with the Transformers stuff for a while. So <laughs> this, you know, not what I expected either. But Alex, you worn down from Pain Again? I. I don't know. I it, I didn't find any of the story compelling, and I didn't enjoy it. Some of the characters were funny sometimes, but I didn't feel any of the like intentional like this character is stupid in this way to be funny, or or this this character is playing up these certain values because this was intended. Like, I just I didn't feel any of that, and I didn't I don't know. I didn't enjoy the ride. I suppose. Yeah. All right, fair enough. It's not for me. I don't know. I don't. I don't have a lot to say about it because it's just. I don't know. It's one of those things where it just. It's an I don't give a shit about that movie type type, <laughs> type scenario. <laughs> it's a in a, it's a Nightmare on Elm Street remake scenario. It's probably a good way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. I you know I. I don't know. I I. With a movie, I expect something to grip me about it. And. I just never felt like that happened. There was never any sort of... Nothing you resonated no, with you. There was no point in the movie where I could buy into the story and be like, this is why I need why I need to care about it. Okay. So. All right. There you have it. Yeah. Anybody else got anything to add? I'm glad you guys had a lot of stuff to say, because I think I spoke <laughs> maybe five 
seconds since we got. It's all right. Back, it's but. good. I do want. I want to see it again because I wanted. I really want to know now. I went into it with like really no expectations or no yeah. thoughts on what to expect. Yeah. I mean, I went. The weird thing is, I went with people who I thought were going to love it, and they didn't really like it. No. Which is very weird for me. Interesting. I said I was like I never thought I'd live in a world where Mark was more satisfied with a Joseph Kaczynski movie than a Michael Bay movie. And he was like, I'm shocked too. <laughs> uh, for anybody who's listening who doesn't know, I have a friend, Mark, who's a Michael Bay nut and a Joseph Kaczynski hater. And he loved Oblivion and was not thrilled with Pain and Game. He didn't hate it. He was just let down. But I think this was his Dark Knight Rises. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I mean, I I weirdly liked it. And I weirdly... I mean, a lot of my a lot of my friends that did go did actually. They were like, "Holy crap, that was kind of awesome!" And I was like, "It kind of was, wasn't it?" But most of the people I went with are people who don't just watch movies. They they study movies and they dissect movies and they just absorb them. And so usually they'll 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 get more out of the average movie viewing experience than most people, I guess, will will or will try to. Well, they do different elements of it, you know, than. Yeah, I mean, I a lot of the things you found either particularly not appealing or Alex just didn't even can't waste the the brain cells <laughs> on. <laughs> I thought were interesting. Sure. I mean, I I don't know. I guess it's this is just going to be one of those weird instances where there's a lot of it that I that made me think in a weird way, and other people. I mean, I can see tons of people going to this and being like what the hell but it, i was very very surprised by how much i liked it and then i w- was very surprised too when i went on like some of the talkbacks or whatever on slash film people were like this movie kind of kicks ass like there's a lot of people who really liked it for most of the same reasons that i said too like i definitely was not in the minority on this one which surprised me i expected most people to just hate it but there are so many people online like on rotten tomatoes and slash film and it seems pretty pretty split down the middle for the most part there's a lot it? of people who echoed my thoughts too and i was like i'm glad it's not just me like yeah. there, there are a lot of people who did really like it and yeah. a lot of people who were like holy crap like this is weird michael bay made a movie that was kind of sweet <laughs> he made a movie it's i mean like i can there are so many movies that i can tell you alex now just never watch because you won't like them <laughs> why, well why why do you say that because they're similar to this movie but In how ways, are they like, similar just n- they feature voiceover at some point and the voiceover switches to another print like i'm okay with that when it's done well and it serves a function but i don't feel like this movie did that i don't i don't see like yeah you said you get to take another look at daniel from like another light but i'm standing from the outside anyway the whole time and i can see that he's a manipulator and that he's generally a terrible person even though he wants to live up to this ideal and he thinks he deserves what other people have I didn't need seven different switching points and terribly done voiceover to tell me that <laughs> Daniel's got these facets that other people see and that... Never since Harrison Ford in Blade Runner <laughs> has such a voiceover disturbed me so... I've never witnessed the Harrison Ford voiceover, yeah, so I can't say. It's that. honestly worth a look. Or a listen. I mean, I don't even know. I think we're all drained by painting Clearly right it's, now. it's something that bothered you didn't bother me i don't think the voiceover was done poorly i think it was voiceover i think the rock's weirdness of his voiceover pretty accurately reflected his character's weirdness of just being extremely timid Mm. and not knowing how to i I felt like they were different people like it didn't 
And that was almost everybody who did voiceover. It felt like they were somebody else. Like there was someone other, like a different character giving this voiceover than there was, I don't know. We've said, we've spent 40 minutes on this movie. More than, <laughs> we've spent like 50 minutes on this movie, so. I mean, if you boil, if you boil it down, what I was going to say was that there are a lot of movies like this in that they do have radical leaps in, both in, in tone and in whoever's driving the story or whoever's perspective you're hearing on the events and like i immediately can recall like southland tales in ways is a lot like this movie not only not just because it features the rock but (laughs) in that it's largely like that's a movie where the word incoherent applies that movie is largely incoherent it's mostly atmosphere it's mostly there's not a lot you can get out of that movie without going and doing the additional reading about the the movie. Mm-hmm. And yet I I still enjoy it for what it is. And I think based on what you didn't like about this movie, you also might not like that movie because it's very similar. And like Guy you even said before maybe I shouldn't watch more Guy Ritchie movies, but they're a lot like this movie where they're really spastic and weird and they jump around from character to character and generally all the characters are dislikable. There's really no redeeming value for most of them. I it mean, could be... maybe maybe it's just the fact that I I find the story completely unremarkable except the fact that here's some horrible people and they did this horrible thing. Like, Yeah, and, and that's... And, and, and it's... I mean, in the grand scheme of things, when you... If you, if you were to call this movie... It's, it's really kind of a dark cro- comedy slash... It's the really Coen Brothers drama, people were saying. I guess. I mean, I don't know. It's If you were to compare this movie, and, and this might not be fair comparisons, but I'm going to make them anyway. If you could compare this movie to other crime dramas, like real-life crime dramas, like Blow, or like um, Goodfellas, or like, uh, I don't know, whatever. You know what I'm talking about. It's... It's vastly different from those. You know what I'm saying? It, it, doesn't, it doesn't feel like one of those or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And I mean... I mean, when you say the stories are unremarkable, I don't understand. I don't agree with that because it's about three bodybuilders who want to kidnap a guy and extort him without him knowing it. Like, that seems pretty remarkable to me. I've never heard another movie like that. You know what I'm saying? Uh, just because a story's unique doesn't mean that... I'm, I Okay, un- unremarkable might be the wrong word, but I don't know. I just didn't find it interesting. Fair enough. All right. So That's it that, for painting. Now that, now that that fart in the glove just got let out, um, <laughs> oh. you can find my brother on Twitter at Mr. John. He made our, our music and our artwork. Uh, our Twitter accounts are going to be on the show notes at MidwestFilmNerds.com. You can send feedback to feedback at MidwestFilmNerds.com. And uh, that's about it. Kyle Kyle X-Y. Kyle XY. Go watch the movie. We'll be right back.